Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 63 of Connection, Not Perfection. The podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so excited that you decided to join me today for this episode of Connection Not Perfection. Now, if you have been with me before, welcome back. I am so glad that you're with me again. And if you're new, well, welcome to you. I hope that you will join us as we talk about all the different ways that we can connect with the teens in our lives, whether they are students or our own children. It is just so important to me to equip you and empower you and inspire you as you work with the teens in your life to help them become the people that they're meant to be. Okay, having said that, one of the things that happens as we work with teens is that we often can experience conflict and arguments. And I don't know about you, but I really hate confrontation. Whether it is with my husband, Philip, or with one of my teens, it is definitely not something that I enjoy, right? But like most families, we have had our fair share of arguments. Now, when Philip and I were first married, the whole conflict thing was really hard. We learned quickly that there is a difference between arguing to win versus arguing to find a solution or a resolution. And we have definitely made strides since then. It has been over two decades. And once we had our kids, we really tried to nail down some guidelines for when we disagree. Now, I don't know that we've done it well, but we have tried to keep some boundaries in place. Ours are simple. It's a very short list and it looks like this. Number one, no name calling. Number two, and remember these guidelines were put in place for our children. We use our words not our hands. Okay, number three, we work for solutions, not for a win. Now, especially when the kids were younger, whenever Philip and I argued, we were consistent in reassuring them that we still loved one another. And the same went for when we were angry with them. And even now, we would say things like, I love you very much. And I'm angry at the choice you made. That's something that they hear often and can probably quote from memory. So now that Patrick and Phoebe are teens, I've come to terms with the fact that it is very developmentally appropriate for them to argue. That doesn't make it fun and it definitely does not make it easy, but it is to be expected. And it's my job as their parent to model what healthy disagreements look like and to embrace the fact that it is healthy and preferable for our kids to see strongly opinionated parents and adults really hashing things out in a loving, respectful way. And that loving, respectful way sometimes might include raised voices. So it's not something that's come easily to us. And we've really had to practice and work hard at it. And we're always, always learning. So I really wanted to share some of those things that we've learned about arguing well with you guys today. And please hear me when I say we are such a work in progress. We are practicing these things. We have not yet mastered them, but I figure you guys are in the trenches too, and some of this might be helpful. Okay, first of all, it helped us to understand how the brain works during an argument or a confrontation. 
And this is actually something that I talked about in episode 41 of Connection Not Perfection. There's a link to it in the show notes if you want to check that out. And that is the fight, flight, or freeze response. It's probably something that you've heard of before, but just in case um, you don't know all the technicalities of it, here's what happens. Okay, first, you are faced with something that signals danger to your brain. Only instead of a wild animal chasing you, it's actually your teen expressing their displeasure at something in a very attacking way, perhaps, and maybe loudly. So the second thing that happens once you're faced with that situation is that your prefrontal cortex, and that's the part of your brain that's in charge of decision making and moderating your social behavior, that part of your brain turns off. And then the third thing is that your amygdala, or what some people call your primitive brain, takes over. It is part of your brain's limbic system, and it mediates many aspects of our emotions and our memories. So the next thing that happens is that your amygdala passes along the danger information to other areas of the brain and to your endocrine system which includes like your adrenal glands. So you might experience your heart pounding. You might start breathing rapidly. You may start to sweat. That is the amygdala triggering that endocrine system. And those systems put your body into that fight, flight, or freeze response. Okay. So all of those things that I just spelled out there, Sometimes that whole chain reaction happens more quickly than our thinking brain, our prefrontal cortex, can even process what's happening, which is useful if you see a car speeding towards you and you jump out of the way before you even think about it. It's not so useful if you're dealing with an argumentative teen, as you might imagine, because unless you're using your prefrontal cortex, you're going to be really hard pressed to respond thoughtfully to be able to ask good questions. And those good questions, that's something that I talked about on the last episode of Connection Not Perfection, episode 62. So again, a link to that in the show notes. But getting back to our fight, flight, or freeze state, what is the solution when you're in that state and you're in an argument with your teens? What what do you do there? So what we've learned is that first of all, Getting yourself out of that triple F mode, that fight, flight, or freeze mode, you have to calm your body down first. And that is going to look different for everyone, right? And this is where that previous episode, number 41, that I mentioned really comes in handy. It's got lots of great tips on how to calm yourself when you're in that fight, flight, or freeze stage. But for our purposes today, just know that it is key to recognize when you're in that fight, flight, or freeze state And you really want to hold off on trying to have any kind of meaningful conversation until you can think clearly. Now, whether that looks like deep breathing or a time out, that's just going to depend on your personal preferences, but it's also going to depend on your circumstances because obviously for you teachers out there, I know that putting yourself in a time out isn't usually an option, but you really might want to consider waiting until the end of the class period to talk to a student or even having them come in during lunch or after or before school to chat. So once you are clear-headed, you want to think about the situation in front of you with curiosity. And there is a much different energy with curiosity than there is with anger or inquisition even. I think that energy is just very palpable and you feel it and teens feel it too. So before you ask any questions, 
you need to keep a couple of things in mind. And I'm just going to touch on this. If you want to know more, again, you can check out episode number 62 about asking great questions. There's a link to it in my show notes. But when you are talking to someone in this argumentative type of thing, number one, your tone matters. Remember, you want to have curiosity You don't want to be giving like the Spanish Inquisition, right? And be demanding. And you definitely want to leave out any kind of snark. And that might be hard for some of um, us middle school teachers. I know we are famous for our snark and our sarcasm sometimes, but this is not the place for it. So number two, again, your energy matters. And here's why. We are, as adults, the external emotional regulators for our teens. And what this means is that they're looking to us and usually mirroring our energy and our level of escalation. So what that means is if you're in this confrontational situation and you respond with any kind of escalating energy, then the teen is going to respond with the escalating energy. And if you keep ratcheting it up, it's going to quickly get out of control. But if the teen in front of you is confrontational and has this really aggressive, agitated energy, and you can respond with calm and peace and self-control, then they're going to eventually reflect that as well. So we are their external emotional regulators. And really changing your language and your energy goes a long way when you are faced with a teen who is and we say this in Texas, loaded for bear. If you've truly gotten out of that fight, flight, or freeze state, your energy will be calm and self-control. Okay, number three, location absolutely matters. Do not have any kind of confrontational discussion in front of an audience. One or both of your responses is going to be highly influenced by the people around you, and you both might feel backed into a corner as you try to save face. So whether you're a parent and you have other siblings around you or you're in a public place or whether you're a teacher who's in front of a classroom, you really want to make sure you've pulled your teen aside, the one you are having this conflict with, and you want to make sure it's one-on-one because truly audiences absolutely change that dynamic of being able to get to a resolution. Okay, number four, what absolutely does not matter is being right, because sometimes it's better to be kind than it is to be right. Now, this isn't true in every case, but it is in some cases. So if you are dead set on being right and winning, you are not going to get to a resolution because where there's a winner, there is a loser. And that's not what we want. So what you want to do then is depending on that situation, you want to think about what will create a connection and move you towards that solution or that resolution. For instance, if a student is maybe arguing with you after you've called them out for disrupting the classroom in some way, you, of course, need to stop that disruption. And once you're calm, you need to let yourself be curious about that student's high level of emotion, asking things like, help me understand why you're so upset right now, or What is keeping you from listening quietly while I talk to the class? And then give them a chance to respond and really listen to what they're saying. 
and keep asking questions until you get to the heart of it. And again, there's more on asking these kinds of questions in episode 62, so I would check that out. But the same thing goes for parents, right? So let's say your teen is arguing with you about maybe something that you've asked them to do, a chore or whatever. First of all, you want to make sure you're calm. And this may mean sending them or yourself to a different room until you're back in that thinking calm mode. But once you're using your prefrontal cortex again, you're aiming for that curious energy rather than an authoritarian one. So talk to your teen with the intent of understanding and connection. And you want to use questions like, help me understand why you are refusing to wash the dishes, fold the laundry, take out the trash, whatever it is. Or you might ask, what's keeping you from doing the things that I'm asking you to do? Now, in both cases, you might not get an answer that feels acceptable in the moment, but what you will have done is made your teen reflect on their behavior and on their choices, which means that next time they might make a different choice. And if not the next time, well, maybe next year, right? it's all going to click. At some point, it will all click. And it may not be at a time when you're with them in the future. But again, our long-term goal here is that we're preparing them to adult and to make good decisions on their own. So for me, one of the things that I struggle with in this confrontational situation is letting it go in the moment without resolving it immediately. But again, This isn't about winning in the moment or fixing it even in the moment. It is about connecting in the long term and teaching them how to evaluate and modify their own behavior. And sometimes it's good enough to just ask the question and have them be thinking about what their answer is, whether they come back to you with it or not. So in moments like these, ones of conflict and stress, It is so easy to forget that our goal is not controlling our teen's behavior so that things go the way that we want it to go. Because telling them that disrupting the class or telling them that refusing to do chores is wrong and forcing them to comply, that might work in the short term, but we're playing the long game. And our objective is that they learn how to think about the choices that they make again and why they're making them. And like I said before, eventually when they're not with us, especially when they're adulting on their own, they need to know how to make good choices because they know how to think for themselves. So that's why how we handle things in the heat of the moment, in these confrontations, in these arguments is so crucial because we are modeling for them what it looks like to work through things well with respect, with calm, with self-control and regulating our emotions. All right. Thank you guys for hanging out and listening to all that. I am curious, do you guys have arguments with your teens? I I mean, clearly the answer is probably going to be a resounding yes, but I would love to know how you resolve them, how you work through things, how you interact with your teens in those really heated moments. All right. So if you found this helpful, I would love for you to pass it along to a friend or even better, I would love for you to leave a rating and a review on iTunes because that really helps other people find the show. And I would love to help as many people as I can possibly reach out there. Okay. Thanks again, guys. I love hanging out with you. And from an ish girl who would rather eat Brussels sprouts, just yuck, than have a confrontation. It is all about connection, not perfection.